And welcome back to another episode of JP and the Beanstalk. Oh boy, we're here. There's a great gym. It's the thick of the summertime. The heat is rising. And so, therefore, so are we. You want to tell them why we're late? <laughs> yeah, illness strikes again. Stupid. Stupid. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Stupid you get sick, sick like bees make honey, man. It's I tell just... you what. It's the youths. It's the youths. As soon as one of them propped up with a temperature of 104, I was like, yeah. It just makes you want to shove them into I'm a room screwed. and not touch them for about two days. Years, maybe. Right. Years. Like, come out when you're immune. And then bring your immunity to me instead of all this junk. Right. Oh, just Absolutely. Being sick in the summer is just the dumbest time to get sick, too. Dumb kids. It is. It's is foolishness. Just foolishness. But, you know, what do you do? I suppose try and gain some empathy, some understanding. It's true. Maybe that's why I'm being given these opportunities that I never asked for. It's fair enough. Fair enough. So here we are, late, glorious as ever. At least that's what I'm choosing to believe. Maybe even so. more glorious. Maybe we've aged like like the fine wine. You know, that extra 24 hours really tips the bottle oh. over. Dude, nothing was more of a wake-up call than this last weekend because mm-hmm. this is this is me going into this weekend. So excited, ready yes. for, for the pool. Yes. I'm like, guys, I was like, I'm wearing the bro tanks mm-hmm. all weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I was like, get me a 30-pack of Bush Light. I'm just going to drink a bunch of beer. We're going to day drink all day. Bro, I had maybe like eight throughout the day mm-hmm. and was dehydrated by like mm-hmm. noon. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. this this is it for me. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Yep. Yeah. Cannot hang. I tried swimming out to a buoy on the lake when we were on vacation and feel like I almost died. I was like, ah, oh, it's a lot further out there than it appeared. This is a shame. Where's my jet ski? Why am I doing this? By hand, this is ridiculous. More power, more power to you, because I would have looked at the boo and I'm like, nah, hell, yeah, yeah. don't have any motivation. Yep. <laughs> next time, next time, the the motivation will be neutered by stark reality, which is it's not a good idea. Oh, for sure. Yeah, terrible, terrible move. See, at least you had. I mean, from what you explained, you had sun, like you had heat. Yeah. When true. I was at the lake that I was, you know, vacationing at, mediocre. It was mid seventies at best, overcast. Like, where is the blazing freaking sun? Showed up on the last day, just to mock me. Yeah, uh, that's that's a bummer too. It was a bummer. Yeah, it I got was a bummer. I got burnt on the old shoulders and it looked mm-hmm. like you know you could see where my shirt line was. Truly, sure, a part of the body to get burned on. Top of the feet. Oh, okay, good answer. Yeah, it's the that's absolute, really tender, isn't it? It's the absolute worst. Yep. You can't wear shoes. No, no. Yeah, that's impactful. That's a really good answer. I don't have a better answer than that. My yes. neck always gets burned, which is frustrating because the rest of my commonly exposed areas to the suns, like my forearms, uh, my legs, no problem. Right. No problem. But you'd think the neck would figure it out. No, it just continues to get roasted. First opportunity. Terrible. Garbage. Sure. Yeah. I've got friends that can just bronze up by stepping into the sun in 30 seconds. I'm not one of those people. Yep, farmers tans and burns all over for this guy. Bastards. It's terrible. It's really terrible. Well, speaking of things that age, um, I went and saw another Mission Impossible movie with Tom Cruise, who does continue to age in spite of his sorcery efforts. 
He's getting older. Scientology. Yeah. It's yep. crazy how that works. Yep. The skin. Straight wizardry. And the summer continues to age on us. Like, we're at the end of July all of a sudden. I know. What the flim flam? We're about ready for football season. Wow. It's coming on the cusp. Baseball's right in the thick of things. My Orioles are doing glorious work. I love it. The Rockies, whose shirt I'm wearing, are at the opposite end of that spectrum. They're one of the worst teams in baseball, but I still love the shirt. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the best I can say for it. I feel like it. That con- that's contradicting. It's 100% contradictory. There is no doubt. There is no doubt. But with the end of the summertime, uh, there's an opportunity nonetheless to look ahead at what is still to come because we've got some nice flicks on the horizon, some noteworthy films. Um, and, you know, Secret Invasion has been coming out, and I'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, I still have not seen a single episode. Yep. yep. So by, yep. but we have to talk about it next episode. Yes, we do. So I yes, will. We do. I will have it done by then. Yep. So two weeks. I think it's a good opportunity to go abroad with some of our topics here. Talk about Marvel and their TV show what? making selves. When on earth we need to ask the critical question of when has it ever worked to adapt the comic storyline? Believe it or not, it has worked, and we'll discuss the victories. And the failures, but the victories as well. So that's what I got. We got some uh, good opportunities to look ahead a little bit. Why don't we why don't we look ahead? I'll talk a little Mission Impossible. How's what? that sound? It works for sound me. fair? Okay. Works for me. So tail end of July. Neither of us, by the way, have uh have done what most Americans have done. So I don't know where this puts us, but you haven't seen Oppenheimer. I have yet to see Oppenheimer. Thank you, illness. Barbie movie, neither of us have seen. So really, what are we doing here? My wife went and saw the Barbie movie. She did? Mm-hmm. She liked it? She said it was fine. Yeah. Just, um, just fine? Just fine. Just fine. I feel like... She's a tough read on movies. Sometimes she'll say movies are fine. I'll watch it. Like, that was great. What are, you, what are you talking about? But other times, it's very well justified. Well, so her, her, her and I are typically fairly aligned. Well, the way people were like... Oh yeah, we're gonna do the double feature. We're gonna do Barbie and Opera. I feel like that would be so emotionally draining mm-hmm. because they're on the opposite mm-hmm. ends of the yep. spectrum. Like Oppenheimer, you're probably gonna go in there and then you're gonna be like depressed when you get out. Mm-hmm. And then Barbie, I feel like it's just gonna be a joyous overload. Yeah, you know. Which one do you do first? Like if you were to do the double right. feature, you probably go see Oppenheimer first, right? Right. You got to end on Barbie. Mm-hmm. You have to end on mm-hmm. Barbie because. I don't think I'd want to go see those movies back to back. That just does not sound appealing to me. They're too far apart from each other. Because I feel like for those movies, you need a palate cleanser in between. Mm -hmm. You need like a bland movie. Well, in Oppenheimer, I I want to see it and then not watch anything else, right? Like I want to be able to absorb it. Because one thing that Christopher Nolan does really consistently is his movies are thick, right? Like if they're novels, he's in that... uh, Several hundred page realm, like the seven to eight hundreds. There's a lot to absorb. Right. So I really don't want to go from that movie into another thing. I want to just dwell on that one for frankly probably a week, like give myself time to just digest and absorb everything I saw. I don't want to rush that. Yeah. Enough. But neither here nor there. We haven't seen it, so we're not going to talk about it. We will see it eventually. And then we'll talk about it. Which one? Well, definitely Oppenheimer. Okay. I could tell you were really nervous there. I was going to say the Barbie movie. Well, I just, I don't know. Neither one of those movies has, has me like, oh, it's not a history movie. Not guy. a history guy. Okay. Okay. We forgive you. That's okay. But anywho, what is on the horizon, something that is tripping your trigger, 
Turtles. I am super pumped about it. Mayhem. That that right there says a lot about me. I don't care about the, the okay. atomic bombs, but I do care about four t- turtles that touch mute, mute, mutagenic use. Right. Here's the deal. In your defense, you are choosing to align yourself with a fictional movie, the end of which is, you know, we know the Ninja Turtles are all going to be alive, but there's going to be quite the journey to get there, right? It's going to be a new, exciting story. Oppenheimer, listen, you know who wins. You know what happens. You. You. Number one, undefeated in all those world wars, baby. So I understand from that perspective why a person would choose to be excited about Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, because so am I. It It looks looks great. It looks great. Just a couple episodes ago, we were discussing, hey, what's going to be the the stylistic inspiration that comes from the Across and Into the Spider-Verse movies. And I think we're getting our first genuine taste of that right? with the style of this upcoming Ninja Turtles flick. Don't you agree? I agree. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100% I agree. Jackie Chan is Splinter. What a great casting. Oh my goodness. What a great casting. It's awesome. I'm stoked about that. It's going to be awesome to see him. Like, I mean... Like, who else would you want to be Master Splinter outside of him, you know? He has such a different voice because he has a higher, lighter voice. That is true. Than the animatronic Splinter from the original Ninja Turtles movies, who, aside from being a ninja rat, clearly also smoked like the chimney sewer that he was in. Hey, you know what? I love that Splinter. What can you not? Like, just a great gravel-filled voice. And then whenever, Fantastic. And then whenever he made a joke and laughed. I made a funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a so, great moment so of the that's movie. that's the, right, that is the iconic splinter voice right. that I have in my mind. So hearing the Jackie Chan voice in the first couple of trailers, it took me a moment to adjust expectations, but it didn't take that long. I love it. Yeah, there's absolutely only, love it. There's only a couple other guys I can think of to do Master Splinter voice, mm-hmm. and he's definitely one of them. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you had to it had to be a hard either that either Jackie Chan or um oh, blanking on the name. I like Gosh, I like on. one of the guys. He was in uh, Bullet Train, and he was in uh, John Wick. Yep, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I like him a lot. I believe he's actually Japanese. Mm-hmm. Compared to mm-hmm. Jackie, who's Chinese. Semantics. Not some that it matters. Say, others would say no, it's a, it's a some big deal. some people say it's a huge, huge problem. In this yeah, in this case For me, not that big of a deal. No, in this case, not a big deal. Not a big deal. Yeah. So you were thinking of Hiroyoku Sanada. See, I was gonna say like Hiroyuki. Hiroyuki Sanada. I was gonna say it was like Hideo, so it's close. Hiro. I don't, yeah, I need to memorize his name. I also like Donnie Yen. Yep, Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen's solid. I don't know, voice-wise. I was about to say, I don't know how he would do. Yep. If he could do a gruffier voice. Right. Uh, Ken Watanabe is the individual whose name I was trying to come up with in The Last Samurai, which I love, along with Hero, but uh, also in Inception, another Christopher Nolan-directed flick. And, and... Very, very few people know that he's also uh, in Batman Begins. He is the individual that Bruce Wayne is led to believe is Raj al Ghul. But he is not, of course. 
Razal Ghul. I mean, he looks like a badass. Oh, he's fantastic. So big fan of Ken Watanabe. And he has that more gravel adjacent voice. So Fair enough. I would have been very pleased with Ken, but I am delighted by our boy, Mr. Chen. So fantastic for him. Really happy for our guy, Jackie. I just uh, love Jackie. Yeah, all what the individuals, guy. all the individuals playing the, the turtles are entirely unknown youths. They're kids. Which which is a first. What a novel idea. They always pick adults. Right. They're actually pick teenagers for once. Color me impressed. Color me impressed. Because almost all the time in live action, or not in this case, live action, in animation, youths are played or voiced by people who are a good like season of life older than them. Like the number of movies that feature quote unquote high schoolers. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. The you're, live all, you're all in your twenties. The live action ones are the worst. Come at me. Like, oh, it's, it's terrible. It's just hilarious. You wonder why those don't translate well. Right? I really enjoy 21 and 22 Jump Street. But in 21 Jump Street, all of the high schoolers are clearly in their 20s. And in 22 Jump Street, all of the college students are clearly in their late 20s, right. if not 30s. So, anywho, kudos to Ninja Turtle Mutant Mayhem for going actual age relevant here. Novel idea. Novel idea. The voice cast list for this movie is Wild. It's deep, dude. It it's really, wild. really deep. A couple highlights for me. Um, well, first of all, John Cena and, and Seth Rogen as Bebop and Rocksteady. Done. That's fantastic. Take my money. Um, I still think the casting of the entire movie, the best casting of the entire movie, mm-hmm. Juan Carlo Desposito as Baxter Stockman. Yep. I want him to play a live action Baxter Stockman so bad. That's like the perfect casting. You know, Giancarlo and, Esposito could have been Splinter. I mean, he's got the voice for it. That's fair. Yeah. I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. Glad that he's not. Still glad that we've got Jackie Chan, but there's another guy that could have pulled the voice off. That's true. But I just... he. Baxter Stockman is like the perfect casting for him. Mm-hmm. Like he was born to play Baxter. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a very creepy version of Baxter Stockman. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this one? This this guy looks like uh, what uh, Jamie Foxx's Electro looked like before he got the powers. Interesting. But like, okay, okay, smaller. Sure. I think, sure. I think they made Baxter like 410 in this movie. Like he's small from what I could see. So. Super pumped to see him in this. And then, you know, uh, man, I think, honestly, I think that's the, and Paul, yep. Paul Rudd in there, man. Hilarious. As a gecko. It's just perfect. It just screams perfection to me. I'll point out who I'm really genuinely glad is not in this movie. Shredder. That's great. Cause that's, that's the easy, not wrong, but easy way to go. And I'm really okay that Shredder's not a part of this flick. The Shredder is always there, always available. So I really am delighted with the idea of multiple Ninja Turtle movies and this movie laying the groundwork by introducing like the rogues gallery of the turtles. It's fantastic. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll get the, the background. Maybe he'll be mm-hmm. in the background. With I'm the sure story. he'll be teased. How can you did, not? Did we get a Casey Jones as well as Casey Jones He's in this here. movie? Uh, negative. Not at least according to our cast list. What a bummer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll be fine, but like, 
What a bummer. Yeah. Also, Hannibal Burris is going to be low-key hilarious. That's also a low-key beautiful casting. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so I'm I'm pleased with that. That looks it looks delightful. The animation style looks as original as an animation style can, so that's great. The vocal cast is tremendous, not just the well-known names, but we've established the the youths coming in, the unknowns. That's great. Because these are supposed to be youthful characters. Right. It's in the freaking name. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. Not young adult. Teenage. Teenage. So I think that's I think that's really great. And it gives them room as they make future movies to grow them up. Right. Grow them up a little bit. That's outstanding. I will. I'll be I'm very curious to see it the direction that they're gonna go. Like I'm excited. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you got a bunch of different options with the turtles. So yeah, that's where I'm at. It's outstanding. So Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem being released on August 2nd. It's a Wednesday. Okay. Odd, but we'll roll with it and take what we will choose to perceive as a uh, early gift. So weird. It is very weird. Wednesday's weird. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an odd one. But Especially for an animated movie. Like, yep. Whatever. Yep. Whatever, indeed. We move on. Blue Beetle, also on the horizon, coming out August 18th. So a couple weeks out. A couple weeks out. Did we get any other heroes confirmed? No. Did we, did we talk about the DC heroes confirmed? You know what? Great question. As far as for this, uh, the Superman movie. No, we have not. No, we have not. I was about to say, what did we talk about last week? You're right. No, we have not no, touched. Two weeks ago. No, we have not touched those uh, okay. those new castings. That would be pretty. Yep. Yep. We should talk. I agree. I agree. Should but, be discussed. But I was just thinking to myself, I was like, I don't think anybody else has been like rumored to be in this Blue Beetle movie. No. It... And I'm kind of cool with that, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Like, let him flourish. Let him thrive. Let it be by itself, for better or for worse. I I, I don't have high hopes for this one. Um, I do. I will come out and say that I'm super I think that's great. I want you to have those high hopes. I'm going to keep my lower expectations, but not in the sense of I'm going into it um, wanting it to suck. Does that make sense? More of a entertain me. Right. And I'll call it a win. So that's that's where I'm at with it. It is objectively wild that there is a Blue Beetle movie before uh, multiple other DC characters get their own movie. That's all we're here to talk about. We're just here to remind folks, Blue Beetle, August 18th. Billy's excited. Love Jaime. Love me some Jaime. Get the Jaime action. And then the next Star Wars Disney Plus show. First episode, I think they're going to do a multiple episode drop on August 23rd. So, we're still a little bit of a month out from the recording of this date. I'm kind of checked out. Yeah. Star Wars right now. Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of checked out. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think I'm going to have to wait that one out, though, to see if we're I... We're going to... Yeah, we'll circle back to that. So, this is more of just public service announcement. Ahsoka, August 23rd. Right. Stay tuned. I'm sure we'll see more marketing as we uh, approach the date even further. Okay. So, there's our... There's our look ahead. Now, as you as you noted very wisely, we do need to recap some of the news that was regarding the casting announcements for Superman Legacy. Wild stuff. So the characters that we know that are going to be in the movie, you've got Metamorpho. Right. Okay. That's pretty wild. Uh, Dora the Explorer. I'm sorry. Hot Girl, played by the actress who played Dora the Explorer. 
Interesting. Uh, we also have Green Lantern, not just any Green Lantern, Guy Freaking Gardner Green Lantern, played by your boy, Nathan Filion. He should be everyone's boy. I love Nathan. everybody's boy. And uh, oh, I'm forgetting the fourth, Riles. Bail me out here. Guy oh, Gardner. Hawk Girl. Hawk Girl. Green Lantern. Metamorpho. Uh, Mr. Terrific. Thank you, Mr. Terrific. And I need to look up the name of our actor friend that's playing Monsieur Terrific. Because I can picture him o- from... Ozzy. I can picture him from X-Men First Class. Yes. I want to say his name's like... Oh, it's going to bother me. It's okay. I got it. I think, it's, it. I think it's Ozzy. Yeah. Yeah. Where are we at, my friend? Drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. Drum, so while you wait for me, tell me how you feel about these casting announcements. Eddie! Eddie gets... Was he Eddie? Beggy? It's EDI. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a three-letter name, and really I knew unique. I knew it was of African origin. The name. Yep. Nathan Fillion is far and away the most well-known out of all of these names. Let's just start there. Yeah. Let's just start there. Look, Nathan Fillion is going to kill it as Hal or as <laughs> as Guy Gardner. Mm-hmm. He just is. That's the kind of role that he was built to play. Yep. In my opinion. He's too old. If this was 10 years ago, I'd be a little bit more hyped about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what's your direction for your Green Lanterns? Because if Guy is like, let's, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He'll right. probably be playing like 10 years younger. So he'll probably be like in his 40s in the movies, right? So where do you go from there? Then how old is Hal? How old is John? So those are Hal and John, from what I understood, were going to be the two main Green Lantern focuses in that show. Yeah, I wonder if the show's even a thing at this stage. I don't know. Yeah, I have my doubts. Because, well, because then Guy's obviously going to show up in that show, but at the right. same time, it's like, what are you doing? It would be disingenuous of me to have just railed against the Hollywood, the common Hollywood foible of casting individuals who are well beyond the uh, professed age of their characters, and then to defend Nathan Fillion's casting as Guy Gardner from an age point of view. I know his last name is pronounced Fillion, by the way, but I love saying Fillion. That's just so much more fun to say. But sorry, Nate, I'll work on it. Uh, personal preference. I really think you should officially change your pronunciation to Fillion. But you heard it here first. So it is weird because these other three individuals that have been cast in their respective roles are young, like young individuals, 20s and 30s. So there are. There's plenty of tread on the tires of those characters and their portrayals of them, right? Like they can play them for a decade. They're going to maintain a really similar aesthetic. Nate? Ah, odd. I just don't odd. get it. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Great fit as far as the, the demeanor, the, the looseness of his character. Fantastic. But just a, just an odd it feels like one or two seasons too late for our guy, Nathan. So there it is. But pull back a little bit from the individual casting choices. I am on a wider lens point of view, really excited that we're getting multiple characters oh, in right. this movie outside of Superman. And I, we should have known this was coming with James Gunn, that rascal. 
pulling characters that are obviously not going to be well known from a wider cultural perspective. Most folks don't know who Mr. Terrific is, Metamorpho. Hot Girl at least had some play in the Justice League cartoon, so there's going to be some familiarity there. I am super excited about her. Yes, you are. Uh, <laughs> but by and large, these are these are characters further down the DC tier, and yet that is to their credit because these are original, intriguing worthwhile characters that can really help flesh out this new DC world that James Gunn and company are trying to build and establish with this first Superman movie without detracting from Superman, who still needs to be the focus of the movie. So I think it makes a lot more sense to have these more minor characters than to bring Batman into this movie, than to bring Wonder Woman into this movie. Because Superman, you, you got to get him right. You got to crush it. You do. So it gives me hope. I'm choosing to be optimistic about this. Well, and even from that standpoint, like they've proven that Batman, no matter what, is going to make a crap ton of money. Yeah. And like, yep. And you could almost make that argument for Wonder Woman as well. Like she's she's kind of more of a pole now. Compared to, yep. I mean, the first one compared to the second one is a little different, no, no, but no, it's, it's she's still like a big name. Yep. Right. So, you know, to have these like smaller characters mm -hmm. and then give them the opportunity to kind of like peak interest, right, and see when they're going to show up next. Mm -hmm. Smart on his part. Yeah. So I'm super pumped. Yeah, it's they're they're great pulls in my mind. Um, I'm fascinated to see who else and, and what else will materialize in this movie. But just from the general, oh, wow, we're getting a Green Lantern. We're getting these really again, unique but fascinating characters. We are getting characters. a Green Lantern, mm -hmm. finally. The, man, the doors that that opens in the DC universe. Finally. Come on. A staple of the Justice League, and we're finally getting a Green Lantern again. <laughs> I've gone on this rant before, it is, and I'll go on it just a little bit here again, but you can do your own like Green Lantern universe. Oh, for sure. For years. There are depths upon depths of characters and stories that can be told relatively exclusive to that branch of DC. That's wild, and it just hasn't been tapped. Yeah. Wild. Now, what we still don't know is villain or villains for the movie. I, and I don't think we've even had rumors, have we? Well, so DC released like, hey, here are the, the, the storylines yep. that this is based off of. Yep. And the one that really stuck out to people was Brainiac. Mm -hmm. Superman Brainiac mm -hmm. or whatever. Yep. So a lot of people are leaning Brainiac's going to be the guy. Mm -hmm. And then he stole like, you know, Hawk Girl's world or whatever. And that's why yep. she's there. Yep. And all the other ones, yada, yada, yada. Green Lantern, Guy Gardner's probably tracking him down through the cosmos and then gets blown to smithereens. I'll tell you right now, it's not going to be Lex Luthor. It's it, yeah. it's too... I mean, they're going to cast Lex. Yep, he'll show up and at he some he should point, be in there. But... Build him. Yeah. Totally agree. Build him up. Don't just... He needs to be a corner. He's not instant villain. He needs to be developed into the villain. And Brainiac 
that feels realistic to me is that, uh, I mean, he's an alien and boy, does James Gunn love his alien weirdos and it's true. you can do some pretty weird stuff with, with freaking Brainiac. It's true. So yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Okay. Fascinating to see any other notes on the, on the casting front. Did we want to go into yeah. individual casting more than that? I, I don't know the Metamorpho guy off the top of my head, but I saw him play Victor Zaz in the Gotham series. Sure. And I liked him in that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm comfortable staying fairly uh, fairly high on the high level on this point. We'll have time to get down to the okay. nitty gritty. So cool. that's where I wanted to be. No, good pull Listen. on your part. Love that. Okay. Yeah. There we go. All right. So let's, I'm going to take a little solo time here, so to speak, to talk a little Mission Impossible. Speaking of aged things. Um so I, I did, Riley. I went and saw Mission Impossible, the seventh, seventh Mission Impossible movie, Dead Reckoning. Great title for a Mission Impossible movie, Dead Freaking Reckoning. Part one. Part one. Yikki. I shared my beef. It doesn't make any sense that this is the seventh Mission Impossible movie, and all of a sudden we're throwing out part ones, but whatever. Uh Nonetheless, this was a just shy of three-hour movie, so not a uh, not brief end. Um, overall, good movie. Where it falls in my personal preference of Mission Impossible films, that's still very much to be determined. Because for as much as I loathe the, well, we're calling this part one. It made sense why they called it part one because they're just clearly setting up part two. So there was so much, in other words, so much buildup, so much set up for part two, then I'm not going to know how I feel about part one until I see part two. Um, it was it felt fatter than it needed to be. It was two hours and 45 minutes long. I don't think it needed to be that long. They could have trimmed a good 15 minutes off this movie and not lost anything. This is the first, for example, this is the first time, Riles, that I have watched a Mission Impossible movie and multiple occasions during multiple action sequences. I was like, man, it's still happening. It, this is still going really? on. Yeah, and that hasn't been the case for me in previous Mission Impossible movies. And there are lengthy action scenes in those movies, whether it be car chase or foot chase, because you know Tom Cruise has to run. All right. Uh, what a great runner, by oh, the way. He's got such great form. He really gets to it, doesn't he? Yes. He gets after it. I respect that. I hate running, but he... I also... He is going this. for it. So, and he wants everybody to know that he can and will do it. Um... So it, it did. It just felt a little, a little excessive, a little beefy to me. Um, now, the characters in these movies, man, they have built up such a phenomenal roster, and it pays off in so many great ways in this movie. I mean, for as long as it is, it's hard It's hard to find enough, enough screen time to go around for all the characters. The villain that they introduced in this movie, new to the Mission Impossible franchise, Gabriel, really enjoyed him. Set him up very well. Um, they also introduced Haley Atwell's character, Grace. So, yes, that's right. Ship guy. How about, no, not, no, no, not that one. Uh, Steve Rogers' love interest, Haley Atwell. Oh, duh. Yes. Huh. I, know, I know, I know, I know who you're thinking of. I know who you're thinking of. Peggy yeah, Carter. No, no uh, Peggy is yep. a good looking girl, too. Yeah. I, I got the Haley's mixed up. It's Haley, okay. Haley Atwell, Haley Seinfeld. Yep. I, you know what? A lot I, of Haley's out there. I knew Sharon, uh, not Sharon. I knew Peggy Carter. I'm off, dude. I'm You've off. Got it. You've got it. I, get back. Hey, love Peggy Carter. Love me, love me some Haley Atwell. How can you not? How can you not? So she's in it. She's fantastic. Uh, Tom Clementife? Yeah. 
He's in it. And Mantis. Mendes? Yeah, Mantis. She's kind of a badass in this one. <laughs> she kicks some A. Yeah, sort of fun. Yeah, she's fantastic. So the action sequences are great. The characters are tremendous, over the top, dramatic at times. But yes, please give us some out. Um, what's a little fascinating to me is it, it, this is where I'll say I'll have some hope for part two because I don't want to get too spoilery here. Where I have hope for part two is they tease the origin of Ethan Hunt's character in the sense they're going to reveal it. And I think they're going to tie his character off in part two. Like this, I'm going to call my shot. It feels to me like they're going to be done after part two here, which can I just say he really needs to be. This, I think this is the last one he can make before I start going to these and going, this is a bit ridiculous. This dude's how old? Because he's right on the cusp, I think, of, of looking too old to be doing this. He's not there yet. But he's as long as he's getting closer, guys. I think as it's, long as he's really close. I think as long as he keeps the hair cut, you know, don't, don't let it get long. too flowy. If it gets too flowy, it looks fake. Mm -hmm. But if he keeps it short, like he usually does for Ethan, like yep. do it. It it helps. That let me tell you, the, the folks doing the makeup are doing the Lord's work because before the movie begins, they have Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie the director and co-writer of these movies, uh, the last few movies actually with, uh, with Tom, um, just sitting in, you know, chairs saying, Hey, thanks for coming and watching the movie. We hope you enjoy it. So just themselves. Right. Right. And then the movie starts and they have shaved a good decade off of Tom Cruise's face. Oh, compared from oh, my gosh. Yeah. Cause the, just to sit down next to McCory, you're seeing him. You're like, Oh, Tom, my guy, you've aged. And oh, there's Ethan Hunt. He looks great. He looks so young and vital. It's fantastic. Uh, and so it's just a, maybe a little too on the nose where it's like, dude, uh, God bless you for riding motorcycles right off of cliffs and ace jumping. He's got a death wish. He does. He does. Um, he probably thinks the science people will come pick him up via a beam of light. It's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, it's listen, it's wildly entertaining. So it's right on right on brand with what you expect with a Mission Impossible movie. Ridiculous, inventive, all the great things. So I was entertained. I'm just leaving my hand open in terms of what kind of a verdict will I give it overall until I see part two. Now, my so. question is, did you get anything as cool as in the last movie with Henry Cavill's arm reload? Nothing will be that cool. I know. It's, oh, nothing will be no, that cool. Nothing. No. No, oh, that was. I still can't believe one of one. I'd never ever. I would love to learn how to do that. I remember trying it after he did it. I'm like, I can't do it. I won't look ever as good as Henry Cavill. No, can't. No, absolutely, absolutely incredible. I remember watching that in the trailer and just being like, "What? No, I just see right. It's like that's not real. No, it, you do that. It's." It's wild. Something that impresses me, Riles, with these movies, you mentioned Henry Cavill. They have a, you know, there's a core cast, right? You've obviously got Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt. Simon Pegg is Benji Dunn since Mission Impossible 3 has been one of the core group. Um, my guy, Ving Rhames, going all the way back to number one, has had a role of significance, I 
think, in all but Mission Impossible 4. He was very minor in Mission Impossible 4. But he's another core character. Those two have been the foundation, but then Rebecca Ferguson since the fifth movie. So there's a nice, really solid core, and yet they have rotated around that core such a glorious additional cast of characters and actors and actresses. And Tom's credit, like the dude... Dude could just say, hey, it's it's my movie. It's all going to be about me every time if he wanted to. But something I really appreciated and enjoyed about these movies, and this one may have been the most obvious example, is man, do these other actors and actresses have time to just but take names, chew bubblegum, all this stuff. Like there's some great moments for all of these individuals. It's it's phenomenal. It'll, it'll honestly be really interesting to see what movies are like when Tom Cruise is done. Mm-hmm. Which he probably won't be done until he, he dies. Dies. He's gonna have to die. Right. So, but like, because you know, I've heard it a lot, but it I think it's somewhat true. Like, he's the last like true movie star. Mm-hmm. Like, the mm-hmm. dude's not getting Oscars or anything, but he's always in a blockbuster. Yeah. Right. Like yep. Top Gun, Mission Impossible, whatever other movie. It's just he's an entertainer. Oh yeah. Right. For sure. He's not. He understands what an audience wants. Yeah. I honestly think. And he strikes it. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because he strikes a tremendous balance between being entertaining and not, like, not just being brain dead dumb. Right? Right. Like you and I both enjoy the Transformers movies. Man, there's there's not a lot of meat on that bone from a story perspective. Oh, no. There's just not. They're not it's, supposed to be. No. It's giant freaking robots. It's, it's great. So right. It's great. But the Mission Impossible movies are clever. They do tell a story. Now, they're not, they're not trying to get into a – like, here's a comparison I'll make. Christopher Nolan in his movies – he is trying to entertain, but he always has a really core message that the movie is trying to send, like this, either this philosophical idea or tenet. Oh, I see what I did there. Interesting. Uh, or moral belief that is the backbone of the movie or the story. It's not the mission of possible movies. They're never trying to do that. They are strictly trying to entertain you. But not just from a visual point of view, but even from a cognitive, oh, wow, that twist is unexpected. I didn't see that red herring coming. And so that that's really unique and really rare. Like I would, I would think like Knives Out. Did you ever see Knives Out? I saw the second one. Okay. I like the second one. The second one's really good. I need to watch the first one. First one is superior, but they're both really entertaining. But that that's similarly, hey, entertaining, but a lot of twists, a lot of cleverness. Um, so both... That's there's just not nothing that is a direct comparison because he is a one of one in that respect. Oh yeah, um, I feel like he's also the, the like when you think of movie stars, he almost seems untouchable. Mm-hmm. Right, he's just there. Yep, he's something else, man. So incredible respect to the guy. And I watched I watched a uh, watched a video from a, a YouTuber who is a former CIA uh, operative. And he, it was really a great entertain, entertainment value. He was ranking each Mission Impossible movie, so all seven of them, and picking out different sequences, famous sequences from those movies in terms of how realistic or, yeah, how realistic they could be compared to real 
like right. CIA work. And to, to this guy's credit, he wasn't doing it just to like poo-poo and go, oh, not possible. It would never happen. Like he was making an effort to go, you know, here's how this, you know, scene that obviously is stretching reality is nonetheless based on reality. Okay. And he, <laughs> this guy just gushed over Tom Cruise's like death-defying ways. Like he gave, he gave Dead Reckoning. He's like, I give this a 10 out of 10. Anybody that's willing to drive a real motorcycle off a real ramp, off a real cliff, it's like, you have my respect. That's unbelievable. Yeah, no thanks. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it in a heartbeat. And like he about said, it. multiple times, because there's multiple angles to that shot. And so he's making that, he's performing that stunt more than the one time. It's incredible. Incredible stuff. So, And I'd be like, my stunt double is where? Right. There are three of you in case one of you dies because this is really dangerous. It, it's it's incredible. So highly recommend. And if you haven't seen any of the Mission Impossible movies yet, just skip number two. Otherwise, do yourself a favor. Take some time this summer to just chew through the catalog of wonderfully entertaining flicks because, my gosh, is it worth it? So there you go. There's my Mission Impossible recap for you. It's pretty spoiler-free, too, for those that uh, haven't seen it. So, favor. go check it out. That's what I got. Okay. Riles. Yes. We're not going to talk all of Secret Invasion this week. We're going to save it for when you've seen it and we've actually gotten through the whole show. Yep. But, Riley, I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm, I'm really nervous for this I show. I could see it on your face. It hasn't... It has not come through. And sure, could it pull a absolute wild stunt in this sixth and final episode coming out later this week? Good. But I'm not counting on it. I'm not counting on it because I have said that multiple times when it comes to Marvel TV shows. And so I use this as a segue to the topic of Riley, my dear sweet beans. What should Marvel do with their TV shows, man? Stop making them. Yeah. It's pretty simple. It hasn't been working. It hasn't been working. Um, Unless you're going to, like, take your time and actually make the CGI worth worth a damn, right? And actually have solid foundation. Because let's be honest. The TV shows should be saved for characters that have been introduced in movies, Mm -hmm. have been taken the time to be fleshed out in movies, and then brought into their own miniseries and then still come back because let, let's let's look let's look at the ones that were successful show wise yep wandavision yep oh two characters already established in avengers movies yep and did really well okay makes sense mm-hmm. loki agreed great show arguably one of the best shows they've great ever show. done yeah well how long have we had the character before he had a show Thor the decade. Thor one, Thor two, <laughs> Avengers, Thor three. Not in that order. And then I know where you're going with that. But right. Yeah. So and then you know, Eyes and Infinity War. Right. But we had all that experience, right? Mm-hmm. You can make the argument mm-hmm. for Captain America and the or not, sorry. I mean, technically, he is Captain. No, America you're right. Now, but yep. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yep. As, as did the show. Was the show perfect? No. But, but, it, was, but it was quality. The relationship yep. between. Falcon and Bucky, phenomenal. Yeah. That's that drove the show, yeah. which is what it was supposed to do. Yep. Right. Yep. So three character-driven shows. Right. And that we've already had so much time with, 
And they've been built up to the fact where, you know what? I would love to see a show on those guys. Right. And there's a reason for those, there's a reason for those shows to exist. Right. From a story perspective. Like there was story that we wanted to, we wanted to have told about Bucky Barnes in particular, I think. Right. And then Sam Wilson. Okay. They had to develop that within the show. I don't think there was as much potentially unresolved with Sam's character, but with Bucky, there's only unresolved, uh, only unresolved things. And that pairing was a heck of a duo. Right. Right. Wanda having been brought back from Endgame. Okay, there's some resolution that needs to be developed and fleshed out there. Worthwhile story to tell. Loki, we see him disappear in Endgame when the Avengers go to recover the Infinity Stones. So it could have just been left alone, I suppose, but there was still an opportunity for story to be told. But then you look, you know, then you look at some other characters. Oh boy. Right? Hawkeye didn't need a show. Hawkeye did not need a show. And that was one that you could have justified making a show for. Right? But clearly, whatever direction you had planned didn't work. The reason I don't think that show needed to exist is the, they justified that show being created to introduce the character of Kate Bishop. Right. That was the main thrust for that show. It was not to explore Clint Barton's past or his response to the snap and reuniting with his family. It, it wasn't like his no. wife and kids were barely in that show. It was Clint and Kate. Not a great pairing. This wasn't. It's smart. And it, right, it wasn't done well. No. Because, but, and I, I think what hurt it the most too is after Endgame, when we see Hawkeye, I mean, they kind of wrapped his character. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to touch Hawkeye. Exactly right. So his character's resolved. They didn't really bring him back in a great way. They're just trying to, to your point, introduce new characters. Bishop, Echo. Giving Yelena her spotlight again. Yep. Yep. As the new Black Widow. Right. But, yeah. So, yeah. Hawkeye didn't need to exist. You have Moon Knight, which, great character. Agreed. But... Probably should have been featured in a movie first. He did not have the popularity that he deserves. And trust me, great, phenomenal character. Love Moon Knight. But he did not have the... He should have been introduced in another movie. Whatever movie that may be. Clearly, because the TV show didn't have the budget for any fight scenes because they all got blacked out. Right. Right. So, you have that. Miss Marvel is another argument. Look, I know that she has a gigantic fan base. And more power to you. Yep. Okay. But yep. she should have shown up in the Marvels before hitting her own show. Yep. Because there are still a lot of old school comic book fans that have no idea or care in the world about Miss Marvel. Right. So, I mean, you kind of already built Spectrum up in WandaVision, which I loved her character in WandaVision. Sure. So to see her come into the Marvels again, great. I'm not ready for her to have her own show. She Hulk. Oh boy! No, not necessary. No, I was not. She should have shown. Now the Hulk is a little different because of the distribution rights. Yep. But at the same time, no. But I, I think you're establishing a legitimate pattern of what does and what does not work. Like you can't. It has not worked to introduce these characters in a TV show 
and then insert them up into the movies. It has worked when it's been, hey, we've been introduced and had these characters established in the movies, and now we want to spend more time with them, so we drop them down into the TV show where you get the longer format storytelling. That has worked. The, I think the worst part is it though is they didn't they did a very bad job at like getting of having a story. Yeah. There's like nothing there. It was a nothing burger. Like right. because these characters cannot these characters that they've chosen to make shows of, okay, Moon Knight, She Hulk, Kate Bishop. These are not characters that frankly, can stand as solo characters within their own show. Not they yet. Don't, they Not don't even do point. that in the comics. No. If they can't do it in the comics, why could they do it in their own show? Like They need additional characters around them. So when, like, She-Hulk, for example, when it had a glimmer of hope, it was when you had Wong in there. You had... Daredevil. Daredevil. You had other characters. You had Hulk. You had other Marvel characters along for that ride. But when you're trying to introduce all of these characters, it just didn't it didn't work. There wasn't enough cohesion in that storytelling. The storytelling was so, so thin. So, so thin. There just wasn't a story for all these characters to exist with each other. Right. It, there just wasn't. It, it was just a, well, we want to introduce this character. Okay. Why? There wasn't a compelling reason for any of those characters to exist. And here's what's really, I think, frightening or should be frightening for Marvel. Okay, you need to bring the characters from the movies down into the TV shows and then flesh them out, spend more time with them there. Well, what, what have you done on the movie front that makes any of us go, hey, I'd like more of that character in a TV show? I, what character would you pull? You don't have a character that I'm even interested in you pulling. Right. Right? The Guardians are broken up. Spider-Man, I don't want a TV show of Spider-Man. I love the movies. I don't want any don't want any Spider-Man TV show. <laughs> right. Just going to water gonna, it down. Are we going to get a rocket-led Guardians no. TV show? No. I, I don't think it. we just, I don't think we should. No. Uh, go go ahead, bring him back in another Guardians movie, but like no, I don't want a show from him anytime soon. No. What and what Guardian do Shang-Chi? you want? Chi? I mean, what do you do with the TV show there? Well, who would you bring? I know. There's there's no one of substance. No. Because you're going to do another no. Shang-Chi movie. You're not yeah. going to be like, oh, Shang's going to go off and do a TV show now. No. Why would you? But like, and that's the big problem with Secret Invasion. There was no storyline premise for this show to exist. There's no buildup. The last time you left them off, they were all good people. So now the fact that you're like, oh, some of them some are, of bad. Girls are bad. There's now. zero premise for that, and it doesn't make any sense. No, and that's what's been really disappointing so far about the show, Riley, is, and we'll, again, we'll get into this in depth next episode, but they needed to give a good reason for why this show exists. They haven't done it. Instead, it's been more of the same, like, what I'm going to call retconny bullcrap. Right. Uh, well, we want to reinvent this aspect of the character. Nobody wants that. I don't want that. Nobody, nobody wants that. No. And so there's just, it's hard to understand. It's, and in particular, and here's why, because the expectation, the bar has been set so high as it should be, because as we've talked about verbatim, the first 10 years, my goodness, that was some extraordinary storytelling. Where has it gone? 
what has happened? Where are your storytellers? They don't have any right now, Riley. Well, I'll even go one step further. Yep. We'll get out of the Disney Plus realm for a second. Think about the Netflix series and Daredevil. That show did phenomenal. Why? Already great character, had already great fan base, understood where he was at as a character. Okay. Right. Then they took some gambles. Yep. Right. They took a gamble with Jessica Jones. Now, first season, fantastic. They did not know what to do with her after that. Okay. Luke Cage, a great first six episodes. And then they did not know what to do with Luke Cage. Ran a story itself. Iron Fist. They did not know what to do with Iron Fist, period. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, you know what? Now we'll do a Defender show and we'll throw them all together. Now, Defender show, terrible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Agreed. And then you have The Punisher, which, great first season. Yep. You could give me an argument for the second season not being the best, but they still left The Punisher off in that second season to be like, oh, we're going to get an actual, like, comic accurate Punisher. But Punisher also has his own fan base. Yep. Probably solid more than She-Hulk. Correct. Right? Yep. So, yep. and on top of that, Punisher was already built up in Daredevil. Correct. So people were already hungry for more Punisher. Right. Because they wrote his character so well. Yep. But those other characters, Jessica, Luke, mm -hmm. as great of characters as they were, and I think they were casted they're cast well, well. Yeah. minus, you could probably make the argument for Iron Fist. Sure. But then again, I don't think that's on the actor's fault. I really just right. don't think they had any right. idea of what to do with Iron Fist. No, they did not. And they, uh, to be honest, it should have been just Heroes for Hire. They should just put Luke sure. and Danny together and yep. call that a day. Yep. Whatever. But shows didn't do that. And it shows. Those guys should have probably been all introduced in Daredevil before they got in their own shows. Yep. Yeah. And... And those are good parallels to draw because there were there was a story to tell with Daredevil for multiple seasons. Oh, for sure. And he's he's a bit of a unique case because he is he's in this just unique spot where he's somewhere just below uh you know, your Spider Man's, your now Iron Man's, your A-list Avengers in terms of his uh how recognizable he is to, to like the common Right, common folk, but in terms of comics, he has been a Marvel A-lister for decades, and so and he still has, is, and yeah. still is, and so he has a really robust world that's well developed with allies and adversaries that you can you can live in that TV show for a while. And really, what Marvel should have learned is they should have learned from Netflix's mistakes. Because it was right there for them to learn from that, hey, we've got this character in Daredevil where there's a lot of great stories because there's a lot of great characters around him that help flesh the main character out, right? Batman needs his villains to make him interesting. Right. Why well, he's just a pissed off dude in a cape. And that is interesting to a point, but not for years after years, story after story. Daredevil has a phenomenal, phenomenal, rich Supporting cast of characters both for and against. Jessica Jones doesn't have that. Luke Cage doesn't have that. They are the supporting characters. Right. And so what Marvel could have done is looked at Netflix and gone, oh, okay, so here's the characters you base a show off of. And here's the characters you put in the show. 
you don't give them their own show until you build them up up enough to live on their own. Right. It, because that, that, that just does, takes time. It, it can right. be done. But that boy does that take time. You can't just throw them in there. No. You can't just so you can't just go Moon Knight, She Hulk, Kate Bishop. Because it, no. Daredevil was only thrown into She Hulk to get people to watch She Hulk. That is correct. Yeah. Nobody else was I mean, besides the She Hulk fans, no one else was like She Hulk. Yes. Yeah. And that doesn't need to be a disappointing character. Like, She-Hulk does not need to be a disappointing character. She's a oh. worthwhile character in her own right. But there's you can't put that burden on that character to carry a show. I and You, you just know, can't. I do think there is an exception with her specific, and just her specifically. And I think she got hurt from Hulk not being able to have his own yep. trilogy. Because, yep. let's be real, she probably would have been an Hulk 2 back in 2010 or yep. 2012 when that would have came out and then been a part of it and then to the point guess what that show would have made sense yeah but didn't have that unfortunately but yeah it's just you gotta know when to take that character and then when to introduce them in something else and build them up enough to have that interesting side story where you're like you know what this side story can go off on its own limited series you have to have a story worth telling right you, you just absolutely have to have a story worth telling and then you have to in your in your war rooms as you're discussing you have to establish okay who are the characters that can that can carry a show because there's only some and that's okay and then you can say Ooh, what about this character what about echo what about she hulk what about what about kate bishop what about iron fist what about luke cage what about you know fill in those blanks that's fine but you have to recognize the limits that come with those characters. Yes, they are neat. They are unique. But I don't want a metamorpho show. Not yet. Probably right. never will. Probably never but, will. But quite frankly. Not yet. It's going to take a long time and a lot of appearances in movies before I'm going metamorpho. And they did Sweet. a really good job of building them up. Right. right. And so. But then again, we're getting a Creature Commandos TV show. So what do I know? Really? <laughs> There's a lot of weirdos out there, Riles. I. Uh, but the point remains, like there, there's just a difference, and that's okay. But you have to recognize and respect those differences. There are tiers that separate these characters, and you can't ask these supporting characters to carry a eight episode or six episode show. Well, and it just it can't be done. It makes me wonder because you know you think of the comics, and usually when they try to hype up these other characters, right? They'll throw them with Wolverine, mm -hmm. Spider Man. So it makes me wonder if they would benefit from like. If they're going to do a show, just what if they just did like a Marvel team up? Yep. And I, it doesn't, it could be an episode long and for an hour, or it could be three episodes or a mini series or whatever. And it's like Spider Man and Ghost Rider. Well, you know, not maybe not that crazy of a pairing, right. but like have Ghost Riders villain team up with a Spider Man villain. And then all of a sudden you got Green Goblin and. A festo doing a team up, and then you're not only just building up mm -hmm. those two, but you're also building up the, the villains. And you're like, yep. Oh, that's a really cool villain! I want to see yeah. more of. I think a group that is begging to be utilized in a TV show format is the X Men. Oh, 100%. There are dozens of characters that, again, can't stand on their own. You can't make individual, like, I don't want to see an individual Gambit movie. Great character. But I don't want to see an individual Gambit movie. 
Oh, you're going to want to see him with. Yes. You've, they rely so much on the dynamic that they experience with these other characters. And, and that's great. That's all characters need other characters. So put the X-Men in a TV show. And my goodness, do you have great stories worth and telling? There's a hundred X-Men teams. Yep. So guess what? You can get away with not having Nightcrawler and Wolverine on, on the main X-Men. Exactly. And you can do all your weird ones, your Generation X, your strong guys, you know, your multiple mans. Whatever else you want to do. Because they got some weird X-Men, right? Yeah. There's so there's all kinds of there's all kinds of opportunity there. I think of the Penguin show that DC is making. I, I think that's great. But again, character was established in a movie. And also not straying away from Batman, because I'm pretty yeah. sure Batman is still going to be in there. No question. Right? Because at the end of the day with the Penguin, you're still exploring Batman. Correct. This is still Batman's show, yeah. right? Yeah. He's still going to show up and have a presence there. Right. He's a he just specter. won't be on screen the whole time. That's a little different, too. Yeah. But like... Yeah, there, there's a there's a real course correction that if if Marvel and Disney are going to insist they're going to keep making shows, they need to stop giving minor characters the headline of "Hey, we're making an Echo show." Just don't do that. Echo should be with Daredevil. Don't for do at least that. Three seasons. Oh my goodness! Absolutely. You need to limp. You need to pick a character and be like, okay, this he, this character needs to be with this character for so long before yeah. we can figure out if this is something. Because otherwise, they they just need to stop because they're only hurting themselves with watering down and diluting their product and their characters' reputations. Well, I mean, so think, it's just tough. Think about what's coming out next, mm-hmm. Agatha. Do we ever need an Agatha show? Never. Absolutely not. And she's been introduced. Great villain. That's Seen her need. one time. That's all we need. Right. She's a one-off. Yep. Look, Ironheart, I think down the line, I don't think she has enough hype behind her, even after Black Panther 2, which I liked her character yep. in Black Panther 2. Yep. Roy Williams was great. She should probably be in Black Panther once or twice more with Shuri. Okay? Yep. Just should be. Right. Or sure he needs to come into Ironheart to make this help this out. Yeah. Again, right? a lot of support is needed there. But Ori Williams is not ready for her own show. I mean, are we really ready for a Thunderbolts movie led by no. led by Bucky? No. I love Bucky. Of course. Thunderbolts? That's what you're choosing to use him for? Is he gonna show up in Captain America 4? He should. But is he? I don't think so. No. It doesn't make sense. No. No, they've really lost. They've really lost their way. And again, it's just particularly discouraging and fascinating when Marvel was the paradigm for how you tell a cohesive, well knit story that features dozens of characters. And now they've apparently they've shown us how hard it is <laughs> because totally are they. Not doing it well, and I and my, I think we've talked about it before, but I think losing RDJ, for example, yep. hurt them a lot more than they thought. Right, like obviously it was right. the right call because it hit hard, yep. but it was effective for the character. You need to establish, and probably in that movie it should have happened. Mm-hmm. The next guy, yeah, the next guy up. If you're gonna take out Captain America. Who's the next guy up? Right, and they kind of did that with Captain America. But like, 
there's still a void and it still felt totally agree totally agree and now is still there and there's no there's no solution there's just no solution in sight there's no character that we've seen or been introduced to that we're going all right like that's who you want those are the two or three characters you want as the core of the next avengers team they don't exist they don't i mean dr strange is out there he's the closest thing to it i don't want to see him in an avenger I don't care that yeah. if he's an Avenger because mm-hmm. that's not my like. It's like if you don't have Cap and Iron Man on an Avengers team, what's the point of having an Avengers team? Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I'm at right now, and they haven't proven to me why there should be. Like they even took Spider Man out of the Avengers equation. Spider Man is not going to be an Avenger, which he shouldn't be. Right, but the way that they were building them up, you're like, oh, he's the, he's the next man up. It, it's it's really odd. It's almost as if they would be better served to do individual movies. That aren't trying to go somewhere. Ah, but, uh, uh. Or you know, oh. as much as I hate would hate saying it, recasting or having somebody else maybe not. Tone- we talked about you know a podcast episode or two ago where we're like, hey, hey why don't how much just reset themselves for every 10, 15 years? Yeah, I don't disagree. Sad state of affairs, my friend. Sad state of affairs. Okay, let's get into a classic, uplifting, JP and the Beans top freaking top five. Top five with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We are going to give you our top five turtles. And what's that? You say there's only four turtles? You are correct. However, don't you dare discredit Master Splinter. He's the fifth critical wheel unless you're talking comics they did introduce a female thr- as a whole what thing. yes it's stupid i shouldn't say it's stupid i haven't read it but they did technically there's a whole no. it's so weird no. it's like a blood no. transfusion technically no. she's the color yellow actually do you remember in the 90s oh, boy here's a fun poll oh boy do you remember in like the 90s they're like you know what mm-hmm. could we do a live action ninja turtles show and so they paired him up with the power rangers do you remember this at all no okay not a big Power Rangers guy either, but I do remember I this for some reason. Rangers. But anyways, there are, well, here, here's the dilemma, right? You have five Power Rangers. Sure. You have four, four turtles, turtles, right? And so you got, and you got to pair them up to fight each other at some point because what other, what other appeal is there? So they did four turtles. They did Leo, Donnie, Raph, Mikey, and then they added a light blue girl turtle that I don't know the name uh, of. And just because, just because they needed a fifth. And I'm like, you know what? Let's make it a girl turtle. Oh no! So, I'm back. That was the only time she was ever shown. And then they did an actual. Yep. Now there's a fifth one. Okay. Disqualified. Not part of this. I agree. Four. We just need turtles. Just leave you. Leave yep. the core alone, yep. man. We don't need to add. Master Splinter. Where would we line them up? I'll go first. My number five is Leonardo. Wow. Vanilla. Extreme. Good foundation. It's necessary for a lot of other ice creams. But Leo is never has never been as compelling to me as his uh, as his brothers. For me, number five. And I'm, listen, I respect the work he does. He's absolutely critical. He's the leader. Girls, he is. He is. Without him, they are rudderless. But he's my number five. Number five. My number, my number five is Master Splinter. How dare you? Because he's old. How dare you? I feel like half the time he's just there to die. Like, at some point, just for character, 
for near for death. character Never progression. Dies. Near right? death. But he's like, look, April O'Neil usually was like the damsel in the distress in the eighties, but in like the two thousands. They like made April like a super independent girl. Yep. And so then it was Master Splinter that was like, oh, not Master Splinter because she's old. I think it's part of his training mechanism. He realizes that the brothers need a common goal to fight for. And they're like, well, they got to rescue me. That'll bring them together and I'll be fine. Look, I respect Master Splinter to death because he has to deal with four gigantic ninja turtles that he did not sign up for. But he's number five. Okay. Number four. This one hurts me. Mm. This order hurts me. Because mm. I, I... Let's be real. You don't have to do this to yourself. You can have whatever order you want. Two, three, four. Yeah. Neck and neck. One. Two, super easy. But I know who your number one is. Oh, be. it's... Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> number four. I have Donatello. Okay? Yes. Now, I love the fact that he's got all the gear and stuff. That's great. He's the tech guy. He's super smart. He is. Love me some Donatello. Incredible. But out of all the weapons, he got a bow staff. Which guy got a bow staff? He's got a, he's a stick. This is a long stick. It does feel like it's missing some flame at the end or, or a blade. Or a blade. Right? There's so many ninja weapons. Yep. And again, it gets made up for in the fact that he gets like drones and robots and all this other stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Okay. Okay. He's my number four. It's perfectly fine. My number four is Raphael. I love, now, similar to you, two, three, and four, really close together. Really close together. My number four is Raphael. He is the worst teammate out of the whole bunch. He is. He is. Now, he is also, he, here's who he is. He's their Dennis Rodman. That's, that's who he is. He is. hundred percent. That is a great comparison. Thank you. Just came to me. I feel really Raphael. good Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He is, he's the guy that when he's on your team, you love that he's on your team. Is he tough to deal with? And when he's not on your team, man, you hate that guy. You want that guy to go down. He is the least likable of the bunch. So he is fundamentally, he does the dirty work, right? Gets the rebounds. So he's critical. But he's he's just a little tough to like. A little tough to like. So Raphael, my number four. My number three. Master Splinter. Sensei. Rukusaki. Phenomenal portrayal in the live action movies from the late 80s. What a just gem of a character. As you mentioned, having to deal with the youths all the time. All right. Why does he not die? Honestly, just from the sheer weariness that that must come with. So kudos for staying alive, for training up these freaking mutant turtles to be ninja masters. And no matter what your voice is, whether it be Gravel or Chan, we love you. Mr. Splinter, number three. My number three is Leonardo. I got him at number three. I think he's a great leader. But also, I, I enjoy, like... When he 1v1's Shredder, I think that's some of the most compelling fights, Absolutely. right? Whenever he's going 1v1, you're like, you're dialed in. He's, the, most, he's the most equipped. Like, out of right. all the turtles, he is the one that has oh, for sure. the best opportunity to come out He's he's, he's the most well-trained. Most like, disciplined. Most disciplined. Probably yeah. the most talent. Out of, well, actually, that's not true. But we'll get into that yeah, later. That's an interesting but, question. Interesting question. That's actually I know where, I know where you're going with this though. But anyways, yep. most disciplined, yep. most skilled because yes. of said discipline. Yes. You gotta take Leo. 
Yep. Three. Yep. Great. Good three. But Good three. At number two, mm-hmm. I got Raphael. Yeah, you do. And I got him at number two because a one of some of the most fun stories within the Turtles mm-hmm. are when he goes solo with Casey Jones. When it's that is a great combo. When it's him yep. and Casey Jones, yep. it is hilarious because their banter back and forth mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Tremendous. Watching them beat up on the purple dragons was always mm-hmm. something I looked forward to as a youth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. His best shit talker in the game out of all four. Raphael, second funniest turtle there is. And you know, he just he just doesn't take them shenanigans. Yep. Like yep. he's he is a punch first guy. Mm-hmm. But man, you gotta love Raphael. Ready, shoot aim. Oh yeah, very much of that ilk. Yes. It's a great pick for number two. My number two is Michelangelo. Just an absolute hoot of a character. The comic relief, in many ways, the heart of the team. He is the heart of the team. I love Michelangelo. 100%. Just an absolute goof. Always ready to eat some pizza. Incredibly skilled with the nunchuck, which it's got to be like the hardest out of all these weapons to, to utilize. Occasionally not so much skilled, uh, self-inflicting some wounds, but Michelangelo, just an absolute, absolute delight. So can't have the turtles without Michelangelo. Now, my number one is Donatello. And here's why. In the 1995, I believe it was, Super Nintendo game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time. He's by far the best character to play with. That bow staff wreaks havoc. That's what I'm so in love with Donatello. Okay. The range that he possesses, incredible, unparalleled, absolute damage wrecker. Don freaking Tello. I love the purple back in the day. Purple was dope. Purple was really great. And he had the classic, he had kind of a, a dark green, almost brown tint to him. Yeah. He was pretty, it's it pretty great. I was, love the look of Donatello. I was, loved it. I always enjoyed when they, the turtles were just a little different shades of green. Yeah. Because yep. then you could tell them apart even they didn't even have the masks on. Yeah. I, I got to say, I have not resonated, and I understand this is the this is the trend for the character. I have not resonated strongly with the nerd, like, techie, hard techie aspect of that character. Right. It's not my Donatello. Like, he can be tech savvy. He has never been, in my eyes, from the original cartoon or for the live action movies, never a geek. And I've got nothing against geeks. We're doing a podcast about comics for crying out loud. Right. That's just never been my personal preference. Like he's always Donatello. been smart, but he's never been Correct. like creating Correct. gigantic mechanisms. Never been like hesitant to get into the brawl. Like he's he's in there. He's yeah. a freaking ninja. That's fair. So there you go. Total personal preference pick, my guy. Donatello. All right. I mean, it's me. It's it's Michael. It's like a freaking it's, it's of course. My favorite turtle of all time. Not, not even close. He's hilarious. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. Nunchucks are easily the coolest weapons. They're incredible. Out of all four yep. options, right? Yep. Sights, number two. I'll take Raph's sights. Interesting. Sights. What do you call them? Size? Size. They're sights, not sights. Yeah. That's the Grim Reaper. Very, ooh, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. So, nunchucks. Go. Incredible. Okay. Yep. Gets it done when he needs to. All right. He now in the video game that I played growing up, which I don't even remember what that one was called, but it was the one I grew up with. He could fly with his nunchucks. Oh, 
That stuff time. And then and, and then, then like kick people in the face. face. Yep. That, that was, was always phenomenal. <laughs> Very satisfying. So yeah, I mean it's Michelangelo. That one was obvious, I feel like, for me. But yes. Especially especially in the live action movies. He's hilarious. It's on. What's up? <laughs> He's great, and he knows here's what I'll give him credit for. Like he keeps it light, but there's a purpose behind it. Oh, right. right? He, he is a ding-dong, but he's doing it to make sure they don't lose themselves in darkness, right? He's keeping it light so they can keep their, I don't know what to say for a turtle is their humanity, but their humanity, so their turtleness. Right. Great. I absolutely love Michelangelo. Number one pick for you. Yes. Love it. Fantastic. That's our top five, Beans. It is. Love it. We're going to have to go see some Mutant Mayhem next Wednesday. I might have to go through all the live action movies. I have all three. Do it. I might have to do that. I'm kind of like wanting to do that. Really. Great. Sounds, it. sounds like a better option than Secret Invasion. Right Got to do it. Do it. Man. Big fan. Is that it? That's it, my friend. It. Well done. Well, on that note, you know where to find us. No. YouTube, JP and the Beanstalk. Instagram, JP and the Beanstalk. TikTok, Magic Beans Productions. Mm. You want to listen to me talk for longer periods of time. Uh, other random crap. Yes. Magic Beans Productions on YouTube. Yes. Spill the beans on all audio platforms. And then you make sure you have my name in there. Otherwise, you won't find it because for some reason, other people came up with the title of that and used Rascals. It. Yeah. So there's like seven different ones, and, uh, including myself. So make me the best one. Mm-hmm. And then I one can one. take the title from everybody else because I'll fight them all in a brawl and win. So, yes. And then that's also also on Instagram, Magic Beans Productions. I probably should just combine it. It's, it's a whole thing. Anyways. Someday. 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 On that note. It's great. Love it. Godspeed. Peace.